Welcome to our latest edition of Over the Hump, where we explain how you play basketball during a pandemic. I'm Evan Budrovich here with Kelly Florio, athletic trainer for women's basketball. Who, Kelly, you've had the pleasure of working three games already to this point. So let's dive into the home contests in Gore Arena. What does it take from an AT standpoint to get an arena ready and get this team out there on the floor? I've been doing this for eight years now. <laughs> and I, there's not been a more nervous first game that I've been a part of just because there's so many different protocols. There's so many different things happening. I did not want to get to the game and then be like, Oh, I forgot to do this. And now we're screwed or I didn't set this up right or whatever it was. There were a lot of nerves coming into that first game of being like, did we do everything we needed to get done in order to have the safest environment for our student athletes to be able to compete? Um, and it went off without a hitch and it was fine, but it was very nerve wracking leading up to that that day in terms of, of testing and what that looks like and going through all the possible worst case scenarios so that we are prepared if something like that happens and then amplify that by probably five when we had our first road game because I was like well what happens if this happens and what happens if this happens um, you know so you just go through all the scenarios and, and you just hope for the best and that you're prepared um, with a whole new set of circumstances that that you've not faced a lot of the things that are happening are we don't have answers until something like that happens. And then we get to make decisions as those things are happening, as opposed to having, you know, if you have a spine boarding injury, you know exactly what's going to happen. You're going to do this, this, and this. Um, but a lot of the things that we're facing right now as, as sports medicine staff are, are new things that we don't have policies in place for until things happen. Um, and so that's the like frustration and scary part of, of how we're functioning through games with COVID during basketball season. You mentioned the socially distant benches and, and one of the neat things you may not see on the ESPN feeds are these little crates that sit right by the bench that have the towels and the water bottles at each individual setup. What goes into making those for each individual player? So that was a big South rule that came down in terms of um, each individual um, and each athlete having to be responsible for their own water, for their own towel, for their own whatever they want on their bed on like next to them on the bench so that's obviously insanely different I used to take care of all the waters and our managers and then um same with their towels they used to be at the end of the bench we used to hand a, you know hand them out at the end of the bench and we can't do that anymore and it's very difficult even those small changes the girls are having a hard time adjusting um so we thought the easiest way was to, I think at home we had a bucket and um, I think we switched to these little bags. Um, they're just responsible for whatever they want. So we put their towels out for them. We fill the water bottles at the beginning with gloves on just to make sure that they're ready to go. The girls don't have to worry about it before the game. But once the game starts, we don't touch the water bottles. You mentioned the difference between a home game and then preparing for a road game. What are some of those challenges of getting the, the arena ready, getting your team ready for a different environment on the road? I think the biggest challenge is what travel looks like right now in terms of traveling day of. Um, that's something completely new that a lot of us haven't, haven't had to deal with. I think we did it once last year for High Point. Um, and, but it was an evening game and we had all the time in the world. Whereas we're doing shoot arounds at home and then getting in a, a van or a bus and traveling to anywhere from an hour and a half to two hours for these non-conference games and then trying to get girls ready. Um, and that's, that's been a challenge. I've had to, you know, we've had to adjust when we're doing shoot arounds so that I can have enough time to treat the girls when we get there. 
um, which is new. I typically don't do that. That's typically done at the hotel. Um, and so navigating those small changes that we've never had to deal with. Um, What's been the feedback from the girls when it comes to the hand sanitizer and the masks and just things they hadn't thought of before this pandemic even started? The instinct on the bench is to just hop up from your seat and run to the scorer's table when you're being called into the game. And now you have to take the step of, you should be wearing a mask, obviously, on the sideline. Um, and so when that happens, it's the extra step of taking the mask off and, and doing those things. And, and we got a little bit creative with what that looks like. We got um, magnetic hooks. So there are hooks on the side of the, we take those with us, um, hooks on their, on their chairs and they can hook them on there or they can throw them in their bags either way. Um, but like I said, the first game, that was a complete disaster. There were masks all over the floor and people were picking each other's masks up. And I was like, uh, I can't, I can't watch this happen. We have to figure out how to get them to understand that they have to take responsibility for this. That only also applies to the bench as well, because we see the coaches more spread out. Even in the locker room, they go to another facility to have more space to distant and things of that nature. What has been the adjustment period like? Obviously, your role is a little different, but just from the coaching staff and yourself of making these conscious decisions to be more socially distant. Yeah, we obviously struggled a little earlier in the year with figuring out what that looked like, had some, you know, false positives come through and whatever that looked like and, and the contact tracing and being like, oh, I didn't realize I was being that close to people or I was in a room for 15 minutes or whatever it was that we determined to contact at the time based on guidelines. We learned pretty quick that we had to make some adjustments to practice to, to how coaches are watching film, to how coaches are doing pregame or pre-practice, um, you know, setup. Um, what that looks like. We're watching film not in our locker room. We're watching film in the gym. Um, and what that looks like. I'm, I've had to change the way I do treatment so that I don't become a contact because it would be far more detrimental for me to become a contact and have to quarantine um, than it would be if our Dobo did. Um, you know, so making those conscious decisions and that was a learning curve for all of us. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, the girls are adjusting fairly well. Um, we haven't, we've only had one situation in which, you know, a poor life choice turned into some contacts that didn't need to be contacts. And um, luckily we were able to, to get out of that without having to be in it for 14 days. But um, you know, it, it's a constant reminding of them of like, Hey, if you want to play basketball, these are the concessions you're going to have to make. And um, just understanding what that looks like. And, and, and as a division one athlete, you're already making some concessions to an, a normal life. Um, but I think it's a little bit more, not, you know, now that we're, we're in COVID season of, of what basketball looks like. Since we're in the heat of non-conference play, what's the difference between maybe what the Big South requires in, in their testing policies and then when you're facing teams from other leagues to make sure you're up to their standards as well? It just depends on the league. So far, our standards have been the, the same as um, – everyone else's standards that we've played. So it's been fairly easy to maintain what that looks like. Just again, it's constant communication with the schools that we're playing. Um, you know, I reached out to UNCW before, almost two weeks before I reached out to UNCG almost two weeks before, hey, here's our testing guidelines. Here's what we're doing. Does that meet your requirements? Um, and then they're sending the, all of the forms, the new guidelines, the visiting team letters, what we can expect to see when we get there. Um, and then, uh, you know, reaching out a couple days before to be like, hey, do you guys need anything? Um, you know, all of those things are, are, are changes. Again, the policies, we've, we've 
I think the only policies that we wouldn't right now function under would be the power fives. So if we added a power five game, we would have to change our policy testing just slightly. In terms of exposure for these kids, so I'm classified as a tier two uh, exposure to the players. You and the coaches are more of a tier one. So what is the difference in those levels and how does that qualify for, for testing? When we say tier one, basically that means anybody who is in very close contact with the team that can't socially distance, even with masks on. So that would put coaches because obviously of practice and you know they're right up next to the to the athletes um strength coaches because they're in that room close to the kids closer than six feet obviously me I'm putting hands on them every day um and then um tier two would be anybody who can be socially distant but is still coming into contact so if you're doing post-game interviews that's why we put you in there just in case we're in a situation where Either you're traveling with us, um, which hasn't happened yet, but could. Um, so again, we're operating under the standpoint of like, if this happens, we want to make sure that all of our people are testing accordingly. Our team doctors obviously aren't coming into daily contact, so they would be considered tier two. So when they work our games, um, that's why they're considered tier two. Now, Cynthia, our tester, um, who is traveling with us occasionally, um, tier one, because she's on the bench with us. So um, there's there's differences in terms of basically who's coming into contact with the, the student athletes on a regular basis and how socially distanced they can be. There's even a tier three, but we don't have anyone listed under that right now. You mentioned Cynthia, and she's the one who's been delightful enough to give us these tests uh, every couple times a week. She had the pleasure of being on the bench for a couple games this year. What's it been like to have her around the team in that role and be able to help them where she can? So it's been so fun. Um, I didn't really know her previous to COVID. I mean, she works at Campus Health, obviously, and sees patients there, but um, I didn't interact with her. She's not, you know, she's not somebody that we send our student athletes to on a regular basis, but um, she loves Campbell Sports, and she uh, took on the role of being the only tester um, that Campus Health will provide for us, and I mean, I think on Monday we tested 109 student student athletes and staff, um, and that's a large task for for somebody to do. And and we are so so thankful that she stepped up to be able to do that for us, and basically is making our seasons happen. Um, and so the least that I felt like I could do was, you know, she talked about wanting to travel, and I was like, I don't really know if this is going to be a thing. Like, but let me see what I can do. Let me talk to Troy. So let me figure out what that might look like. And, you know, non-conference, it's pretty easy. She's taking herself to the games and um, she's considered a tier one. So she's testing just as often as we are. You know, she's got a loud Southern voice and it's hilarious to have her on the sidelines. Um, you know, she, she is the fan. She is, she's the fan, but she's there obviously if I need her for anything medically. Um, and it's nice to have somebody on the road, you know, one of my biggest fears was like, okay, so what happens if someone starts to be symptomatic when we're on the road? Like, how am I going to make those decisions? And it's nice to have her as a backup there to be like, hey, what should we do when it, if, if something like this happens, we've gone through a couple scenarios of like, if A, B, and C happens, what do I do? If it, you know, because we have to have protocols when we travel right now to have somebody designated that's not the sports medicine staff to take a symptomatic athlete home. Um, and so, We've gone through all those scenarios with each other of, of how that looks. Um, but having her on the bench is, is, is fun. She's loud. She knows basketball well enough to be able to 
um, you know, holler at refs, but not to the point where we're going to get a T on the bench. So. <laughs> Well, Kelly, certainly what you're doing and, and Cynthia and folks like that is so vital to getting these kids on the court. So we appreciate it and glad to learn some insight from you today. Absolutely. Anytime.